it's, uh, it's good to see a room full of our friends and some new friends. Um, if you are here uh, for the first time, again, I just can't welcome you enough. Uh, we, uh, we have been working through a ser- sermon series this summer in the Old Testament Psalms. Uh, we're wrapping that up. Uh, next Sunday will be the final uh, installment uh, of that series. Um, just uh, unplanned segue uh, for our next series, uh, what Don was talking about with, with Martin Luther and Facebook. Uh, there's a disconnect there, but I liked it. I really, I'm probably going to steal that, Don. Um, but we are going to spend uh, five Sundays in October um, exploring these five um, hallmark truths of the Protestant Reformation uh, that are, have been identified as the solas, the solas of the Reformation. And so if that's new, new territory to you, you'll, you'll find out more about that. <clears throat> but that's where we'll be heading uh, in October. Uh, but today we're, we're looking at Psalm 133. Uh, so if you have a Bible, you're welcome to, to open up to, to Psalm 133. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have the words uh, projected on the screen for you this morning. Uh, before we look at the passage today, um, the, let, me, let me begin by doing this. Um, Christians, we like our lingo, <laughs> we like our words that we use, and sometimes, uh, as with any language, not just Christian language, uh, when you use a word a whole lot, it really begins to lose its meaning and significance, uh, its edge kind of wears off, and it's just a word that's thrown around. Uh, one of those words uh, in the Christian community that gets thrown around a lot is the word depending on your generation, uh, same, same meaning, uh, different words, the word fellowship or the word community, if you're a little more modern. Um, so fellowship and community are words that Christians like to talk about, um, and it's my understanding that that has lost a little bit of its edge. It just kind of, let, let's be honest, when, when Christians say let's fellowship together or let's do community, it usually just means let's hang out with food. Like, I mean, that's pretty much what it's boiled down to. Let's, let's be together and let's eat some food. And that's really what it's boiled down to. I, I took it upon myself just to look up what the, the dictionary says. Um, you know, of course, not a paper dictionary. The online dictionary um, says this. It defines the word community. So I'm using the word community as a group of people living together in one place and practicing common ownership, okay? So a little bit more substance there. I mean, if you think about even just the, just the etymology, just the word structure of the word community, it means common plus unity. Like there's a common unity. There's a sharing together of something, and it's my taking that it, that means sharing more than just food. Um, today's passage is all about community, together, life together. Um, You'll note as we read the passage that this is another one of David's songs that he wrote. And so there were were a handful in this section of Psalms that we've been looking at that were um, attributed to David. Uh, Some speculate that this song was written in response to the 12 tribes of Israel reuniting. They had divided early in King David's rule and reign. And so Perhaps he was writing this song in a response to a reunion of sorts. And so this song has everything to do with unity together as a body of believers. So let's read, let's read Psalm 133. It's a short one. 
so we should have your attention for a few more moments. Uh, Psalm 133 for our reading this morning. A song of ascents of David. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we pray now that the meditations of all of our hearts gathered this morning in the mouth of this one man's, the words of this one man's mouth would be pleasing in your sight. Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to begin this morning um, by reading just a, a smattering of some quotes that I pulled out of a handful of articles. Um, I won't, the articles aren't that significant. They were from decent, credible resources. But let me just read four quotes real quick, and then we'll, um, I'll tell you why I'm reading them. Excessive internet use increases our loneliness because it disconnects us from the real world. The average Facebook user has 338 friends. Subtext, how many real friends does he have? Uh, people who are married are less lonely than the single, but only if their spouses are confidants. And then lastly, research has shown that we are literally addicted to our phones because they trigger a dopamine high with every notification and ding. Our brains are seeking pleasure and enjoyment through this type of relational connectivity. We need and want more of it. Um, again, just some different articles that I read. Um, this, these quotes tap into this epidemic that we are experiencing currently an explosion of loneliness separation from togetherness um, and when I say loneliness I am not just talking about isolation uh, you can be around people all of the time you can be the most extroverted person in the world and you can still be lonely um, what the Bible teaches us is that we, as people, were made to be connected to God. We were designed for the very purpose of being in a relationship with God and with people. And so what we are experiencing today in our world is that a good thing we are experiencing this ability to connect with other people on levels in which the world has never seen before. But what technology is proving to be is a poor substitute for the relationship that God made us to be in with him. It's a poor savior. And so today, um, I want us to see what biblical 
community looks like. I'm going to use the word community a lot. Um, and, and, you know, footnote here. When I say community, um, I am specifically talking about the gathering of believers in Jesus Christ. And so, so there is broader uses of community, right? And so like there's communities based on hobbies or, you know, based on sports teams or based on activities. Those are all relevant and good sources of social activity. But, but I want us today to see what Christian community in the local church ought to look like and then why it's so important to you. I want you to leave this song really resonating with why God has made you like this and where to discover uh, what you've always been looking for. So um, here's, here's the thing that we need to see in this song. Here's really, in my mind, the thesis of the song is that it's only when you prioritize community in your life that you will experience the, its power to change your life. And so, so really holding those things in tension, how to prioritize community, and then really its potential to change things in your life. Um, so a few things um, we're going to look at this morning. Let's look at uh, doing the alliteration thing. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why I do this. They come to my mind. So they're all P's today. I'm sorry if that's cheesy, but I just can't escape it. I don't know. God made me this way. Um, So we're going to look at three things today. We're going to look at first the problem of community. Uh, Then we're going to look at the picture of community. So you can't even see my alliterated points. The picture of community. Then we're going to look at the power of community. So uh, the problem, the picture, and then the power. Let's look at verse 1 as we look at the problem of community. Um, You might be reading verse 1, which says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. And you might be thinking, Adam, this has nothing to do with the text. Like, how is community a problem? And here's, um, here's what I'm trying to do. David says that it's good and pleasant when community happens. But I want us just to, at the very outset of this morning, to acknowledge how hard and difficult it actually is, how bad it can be, and how it's, it's not natural for us to do community. Um, we go back to Genesis a lot. The first two chapters of the Bible tell us a lot about how life was supposed to be. Uh, the rest of the Bible tells us how life really is. And so Genesis chapters 1 and 2 show us what life together was supposed to look like. And it was ordinary because it began with just one man. And if you're familiar with the narrative of Genesis, it began and man was lonely. And God saw the man alone and he said, it's not good for man to be alone. And bam, woman, right? So immediately community is in the garden. And uh, again, if you're, if you're familiar with the narrative of the Bible, you'll know that not long after that, we don't have a time frame. Uh, Genesis was not written to give us a chronology of when these events necessarily took place. But we know that at least shortly after the way the narrative reads, sin entered the picture and it ruptured all relationships. It ruptured the relationship between the people and God, and it re- ruptured the relationship between the people and themselves. And so here early on in the Bible, and we get to chapter 4, and we begin to see that families are divided against themselves. 
And one of the first family stories we have in the Bible is of two brothers, a sibling rivalry between Cain and Abel, which ends up with one of them losing their life. So we see sibling rivalries already taking root. I mean, the Genesis narrative continues as Joseph has this division with his brothers, and then we see Jacob and Esau. I mean, you get sibling rivalries, right? I mean, I have two young boys, um, and we know what sibling rivalry looks like. Here's, here's sibling rivalry for us right now. I mentioned last, um, last Sunday, I think, uh, that on Fridays we do pancakes. Um, so now you know what we're doing on Friday mornings. Well, uh, we also always have bacon on Friday mornings. And I don't know who designed the bacon packages, but there is an odd amount of bacon apparently in a package, at least the packages that we get. And so it always comes down, we're kind of, we kind of just linger over the bacon all morning. We're coming back, getting pieces here and there, and it always comes down to that last piece of bacon. And I hear the boys in the kitchen, and they're having the conversation, who's going to get this piece of bacon? And the conversation usually heats up and escalates a bit, and so I've got to intercede. And so I, like any good father, I go into the kitchen, and I grab the piece of bacon, and I break it in half, and I eat them. And, and it just, I mean, it really, it just solves all problems. Um, it's, just, it's just how we resolve, you know, sibling rivalry in our, in our home. But what it, what it has begun to show us and what the Bible shows us is that community is difficult. Right? Like getting along together is difficult, even with family members whom you're committed to. Like family, you've got some level of legal obligation to get along with them. Friends and church family, maybe not so much. Maybe there's some gray area there. Um, and so here, let me, let me kind of bring in some application because what David and the song wants us to see is how good and pleasant it can be. But first, we have to see how hard and difficult it really is. So I would say it like this. If you're unwilling to work for community, you'll never fully benefit from it. Community requires work. It, it does. Um, it, requires, it requires us to make some things non-negotiable. Um, for instance, what we're doing right now. Um, you know, the, the gathering of the people of God on the, the Lord's Day, Sunday as we identify it, becomes non-negotiable when you're willing to work for it. When, when, when being together is a priority, it, it's a non-negotiable. Or, or maybe, um, you know, maybe it's not even just Sundays. Maybe, maybe for you it's, it's what we do during the week. Now, I promise you, um, I'm not this smart um, I'm not this strategic, uh, but this week we are going to, we have been, and we will be talking about our community circles. Um, community circles are our gatherings in homes during the week where we usually have a meal. We usually discuss some substance of maybe it's the sermon or some groups do study a book of the Bible, uh, but really it's, it's kind of our bread and butter opportunity to gather outside of Sunday. And again, I didn't plan this text to come on this, the week that we're starting these groups, but God and his providence made that happen. Um, and so, you know, working for community looks like um, community circle becoming a calendar item and not just like an afterthought. Like, like that is 
that's on the calendar, and that's what we're doing because we know it's important and because we know it's good and pleasant to do it. Um, it, might look, it might look like uh, a willingness to stretch beyond your own uh, wiring in relationships. So like, for instance, um, I, I am learning a lot about introverts and extroverts. I find it fascinating because my wife is an introvert and I'm an extrovert and I always thought I was right and I'm learning that that's not the case. Um, but what it might mean for the introvert is a willingness to empty yourself because you know it's good and pleasant. It might mean the, the stretch of meeting somebody new or adding to your circle of people that drain you because that's what it does. Or maybe for the extrovert, it means maybe in your relationships, you'll just shut up for once, um, you know, like let other people get involved in the relationship. It's not one-sided. Um, and so to work for community at the outset is really what's important for us to understand about experiencing the good and pleasant side of it, a willingness to work for it. So that's the, the problem of community. It's not natural for us anymore. Let's look at what the picture of community is. Uh, I love when the Bible just gives us pictures uh, to uh, really illustrate what we're trying to learn. The Bible did the work for us today. Uh, there are two pictures uh, given of what our community ought to look like. Uh, it's the picture of oil and it's the picture of dew. Let's just talk about each of these in turn. The picture of oil. Now, I, for a moment, with all sincerity, thought about what it would look like to do a live beard oiling with Tito up here. Um, just because, I mean, it's just so, it's just so obvious. But nonetheless, I restrain myself from that awkwardness. And um, here's the picture. The picture is of the anointing of a priest. Now, in the Old Testament, there was a priesthood installed so that God's people could be close to him. And so Aaron, the, the, the Aaronic line, the family line, was the line of priests that brought people into the presence of God, symbolically, the, represent, the representatives. And the way the picture in the song talks about is, is this anointing ceremony in which oil would have been poured from the top of the head and it would have just drained down to the beard, they would have had full beards, not this wimpy stuff. Um, they would have had a full beard and it would have just drained down and, and on, on the robes and the collars of the priests would have been the names of the tribes of Israel. And so the people of God bearing on the priest of God and the oil, the warm presence of anointment would have flowed down. And so the picture of oil is the picture of a priest and the blessing that is found through the priest. That's the first picture. We're gonna tease out what that looks like in our own context. The, the second picture is the picture of dew. Now, you know, all of us know about dew to some level. A um, little bit of geography here. Mount Hermon, which is referenced in the song, was the highest mountain in Syria. And so it would have been this high place. It was, it was less than 10,000 feet, so not the highest of mountains, but it's 10,000 feet. It would have got, received about, I think they say, 60 inches of precipitation every year. It would have been covered with snow two-thirds of the year. So it was just a very moist mountain. 
And in the mornings, as some of you are familiar with, when you wake up in a moist context, there is dew on the ground. There's water. And so this picture of dew is the picture of a source of life, of freshness, of new expectancy with the day to come. In fact, Mount Hermon would have been the source of life for the Jordan River. And so it's this flowing picture of newness, freshness, refreshment. So taking these two pictures, the song is singing to us this cadence of what our community ought to look like. It ought to look like oil anointing a priest. So I would say it like this. Our community should express the warm presence of God. Um, One of the things that the New Testament reveals, and even our heritage in the Protestant Reformation showed us, is that no longer do we have one priest who goes before God for us. We have the great high priest, Christ, who sits at the throne of God on our behalf. But then what the Reformation discovered was that all God's people became priests. It's identified as the priesthood of all believers. And so when we take that perspective into community, you look at each other differently. You are the resource to bring God's presence into people's lives. (laughs) And so what, when you come in on a Sunday morning or on a Thursday night or you have lunch with each other and you, are, you embrace, if you're huggers, I'm a hugger, if you hug, you are delivering the very embrace of God to somebody else. When you think about your weary, dry, exhausting week and you come to a place like this and you go through the pleasantries of, you know, what was your week like, or you talk sports and weather, you're doing something much more than just chit-chatting. You're engaging with the very presence of God to each other. This place with these people is where you can be close to God. The other thing that that this picture shows us our community together ought to look like is that our community should provide fresh and new opportunities to grow together. And so at some point, our relationships must move beyond the pleasantries. It has to. It has to move beyond football and food and weather. It's, it's got to go deeper. Um, Because that is the very source line for you to grow deeper with God. It's, It's what God has designed. It's the way that God has made for you to grow. And so, you know, when somebody comes as an outsider to our community, whether it's what we're doing right now on Sunday mornings or whether it's your neighbor, you know, coming into your group during the week, or whatever, whatever it looks like, somebody coming into our community, what do they see? Um, do they see people that know a lot about God, <laughs> that um, have good theology, and they have Bible memorized, and there's 
it becomes kind of this inaccessible place for people that are not in the community? Or um, do they see warmth and life and an openness to outsiders? And do they see this community as a life-giving source? Because that's what this song wants us to be, a source of life to others. And so that leads me to finally show you in verse 3, the end of verse 3, the power of community. Um, I mentioned it at the, the beginning uh, before we read the passage, the uh, misuse or maybe overuse of the word fellowship or community. Um, maybe I'm misusing it today. Um, but the word in the New Testament, you scholars that know this, is the word koinonia. Um, it's, it's used throughout the New Testament in a variety of different ways, and it's commonly translated fellowship. So, for instance, in Acts chapter 2, the early church committed itself to the preaching of the word, to prayer, and to fellowship. That's that word. They committed to something together. And let me, let me bring a little bit more dynamic to that word. Um, so it, it begins to mean more than Christians hanging out around food. Um, here's, here's some other alternative words that we could kind of substitute. Uh, it's participation. It's partnership and it's sharing. And I think those three words get after what the Bible wants us to be, a people who are sharing a common life together through participation and partnership, okay? It's kind of a, kind of a clunky definition, but let's flesh that out. Um, again, you know, shame on me. I think like this, but a lot of times when we talk about community, we think activity. Uh, we think church, uh, we think community circles, all these things, all these avenues that I'm plugging you towards. We think about doing something, and I want us to begin to think about more so being something. So less activity, more relationship, right? Less casual, more commitment. Um, and so if if we're going to define that word and what we're after in this song as sharing a common life together through partnership and participation, what is it that we're sharing? What do we have in common? And the answer is our union with Christ. Um, the way some old forefathers of the faith and even the way our catechism talks what we read this morning about our union with God is they would use the language kind of in a twofold way. They would talk about how we have union with Christ, but then they would also talk about having communion with God. Union with Christ being that objective reality that no longer are we guilty in the sight of God. And so it's, this, it's kind of this legal standing with God that because of what Christ has done for us, no longer is judgment over us. And so that's, that's, that's the union that we share. But this kind of this neglected component, at least sometimes in our circles, is the communion with God. And that is more of the subjective experiential side of things that so many of us are missing and want. Um, 
when I talk about communion with God to a group like us, you know, Bible-believing, you know, these evangelical Christians, youth probably think reading the Bible and praying. Like, we have been really kind of patterned to know that we ought to be reading our Bibles more and we ought to be praying more. And really, that's the extent of what we think communion with God is. Like, I've got to read and I've got to pray, and if I don't do it, I feel guilty. Um, the beautiful thing about what the Bible is calling us to is that it is the experience of enjoying fellowship with God, communion with God, in a way that we personally relate to each other. And so I think it looks a lot less spiritual than you think it might have to. Uh, I'm not saying there's not spiritual components to it. I'm not telling you, hear, hear me on this. I'm not saying you shouldn't read your Bible and shouldn't pray. You, you ought to be doing that, but it's more than that. It's never less than that, but it's always more than that. See, to have life in Christ is to have life with each other. To be in Christ, united to him by faith, is to be united to each other. I will say it in the negative like this. You might survive alone, but you will never thrive alone. You you might be able to get by. Uh, You might be able to, you know, kind of be on those fringes of community. Like you've got a few kind of points of contact with with the Bible, believing community here or elsewhere. Uh, You might be able to survive in that way, but you'll never thrive the way God has designed you to until you have that personal, individual relationship with both God and with other people in the believing community. Um, God has always intended for you to have a personal, individual relationship with him, but he never intended that for that to be private and alone, ever. I mean, there is, I mean, even if you have, I mean, the Bible nowhere ever describes the believer who's just walking with God by himself. Um, it is very popular in the culture we are currently swimming in to think that the local church is an option for the Christian, that it, that it is one, of, one option for the believer. Uh, you've, heard the, you've heard it said that it takes a village to raise a child. Uh, well, it takes a church to raise a Christian. And um, I would be so bold as to say you cannot have Christ without the church. That you, if, if that's been you, kind of circling the fringes of the church and community, I would say you're missing out on one of the greatest benefits and blessings that God has designed for your good right here. First uh, John, let me read this passage. First John chapter 1 verses 2 and 3 says this, the life that was made manifest that we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. All of that fancy language, here's what John's saying, the gospel, that Jesus came for you in the flesh But then he goes on, he says, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you, here's the kicker, so that you too may have fellowship with us, koinonia. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. 
Um, our failure to, to be in the church like God designed us to do is not for our benefit. Um, we at Mosaic Church, we believe um, that church membership is actually a biblical thing. Some of you have a background with church membership. Some of you, maybe you've been scarred uh, through church membership. Um, but let me, let me just be clear on what we believe uh, membership is. Uh, membership is you committing to community. Um, Membership is, is you looking at the other members and saying, I'm committed to you. <laughs> and um, you might say, you know, oh, I don't need to be a member of a church to do that. Um, but what membership does is it holds you accountable for what you said you're going to do. And not in a frightful or vindictive way, but in a helpful and fruitful way. Um, membership is the great opportunity to experience the good and pleasant nature of what it means to be in Christ together in community. Um, shameless commercial plug, uh, we do membership several times during the year. Uh, we'll be doing membership again in October, and you'll, you'll hear more about it. Um, but I want you to really assess your own spiritual life. Like many of you, some of you, some of you have been walking with the Lord longer than I've even been alive. Um, others of you, perhaps maybe you're not even necessarily, quote unquote, walking with the Lord. Um, but I want you to assess the weight of your life and to really ask yourself, am I thriving spiritually? I know there's lots of other community options, but the church is the way God designed you to experience his presence. Let me, let me conclude by this obscure thought. <laughs> I have obscure thoughts a lot. Um, here's one that came to my mind. If you were, if you were God, <laughs> that's always a dangerous thing to think about, but if you were God, how would you spread the message of salvation? Like the message contained in the Bible, if you were to get that out to the, to the world, if you wanted to tell everybody about this, how would you do it? Um, I would do it in the most efficient way possible. Um, I, I am a, I'm an efficient type A type of person. This is how God made me. And so I would, you know, I would line up, a I would have certainly waited 2,000 years until we had a lot more communication. Like the printing press would not have been efficient enough for me uh, to get the Bible out. I would have waited a little bit longer, but, but I would have been efficient in it. God, in his infinite wisdom, designed the word of saving grace through Jesus to be spread through his people and community. Like, I wouldn't have thought about that. I, I, would have, I would have looked at this group of initial 12 and I would have thought, Lord, I don't think they're gonna get the job done. Like, I'm not sure. We, you know, we've got, we've got Peter, and Judas is gone. Um, I don't know if this is gonna get it done. Um, but God in his wisdom placed the treasure with his people and he said, this is how the world's going to know about my love. You know, G Jesus, in John chapter 13, said, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. Sub subtext, all people will know that you belong to me, that you are united to me. How? If you have love for one another. 
everlasting life, life forevermore, the blessing of the gospel, according to this song, is discovered in community. Um, I think this song is an invitation to lonely, miserable people. It's an invitation to people who have always been looking for community in all the wrong places. Um, I think this is an invitation to the independent and busy person, the person who just can't seem to schedule it in. Um, I think this song is an invitation to the opposite of that, the religious and active person, the person who is so busy with fervent religious activity that they can't discover what real community looks like. And I think this is an invitation to the lost and disconnected person, to the people that have been out on the highways and byways of life, to the people who have been discouraged by the church, to the people who have been hurt and scarred by community, I think this is an invitation for us all to come and to discover life together in Christ. Let's pray and ask that God would do that in our community today. Father, we sometimes read our Bibles and and hear songs like this of how good and pleasant it is when we're together and how life is supposed to be like oil on a beard and dew on a mountain and life. And, and Lord, it's, it's a disconnect for us, to be honest. Lord, some of us are just grinding to get to the next day. Some of us are just looking for our children to go to bed on time. Uh, some of us are looking to s- scale the ladders of promotion at work. And we're just so, so busy that we forget about what's important. Uh, Lord, we thank you for this song, that it is a reminder of the good and pleasant nature of being together with your people. We pray that you would make us a church where your very presence is felt and known and where the expectancies of new, refreshing uh, ways to grow together are made available and that you would, by your grace, enable us to respond to that, Lord. Help us to discover where the blessing of life forevermore is and how we've been missing that this whole time. So Lord, would you stir in us new affections? Would you draw us closer to yourself through community with each other? And would you do it all for your glory? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.